Cause it's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. It's back to school time. But first, we're back with Bass Edge Radio. Bass Edge Radio is brought to you by MegaWare KeelGuard. Have you got it yet? No? Well, check them out at KeelGuard.com. Every watercraft deserves a product from KeelGuard.com. Get your notebooks and pencils and pens ready, Bass Edge Nation. We're about to start another fantastic episode of Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Aaron, it's that time of year again, buddy. New boats hitting the market. What's At, going on? I heard you got one in the works. One in my garage. I oh. uh, yeah, I'm I actually I'm don't even have my stuff in it yet, but uh, I will be leaving out in two weeks. Got the new uh, Legend V20, 250 horsepower Mercury with power poles. My big flat screens, uh, Lowrance, you know, 12 inches. Because I plan on watching since I can't catch any fish. Yeah. I plan on watching a lot of college football this fall <laughs> from them. So all good, man. Gen threes, right? Gen threes, Gen threes, very. Excited. You know, I've been kind of a guy that's always stuck with the nine inch uh, screens up until this point. I know that seems so old school to you, but you know, you got to remember when I started drop shotting, I was on the old style Lowrance system with what were they, the 520s? Right. I, I think, you know, trying to see your bait on a little five inch screen, but I've made it to the big leagues now, Kurt, at least in the way of technology. Doesn't mean let's, I can necessarily catch them, but come on, dude, let's face it. We know why you got the big screen. It's because you're just getting to be an old man. Can't see nothing. Boy, that is for sure. Sure, I have noticed I am having to put my bait way far away from me to tie my knots these days. But hey, like wine, I get better with age, man. Get better with. Hey, age. look, I, I gotta say, you know, you were talking about power poles a little earlier, and uh, I saw a lot of local anglers at the Chesapeake Bay that were without power poles. I gotta tell you, you know, it's not spawning season. It's not one of dude. Those poles are the deal all times a year. I don't care where you're at. Highland Reservoir like Table Rock, Amistad, still need them. Lowland Reservoir or Tidal Water System like Chesapeake Bay. All you anglers out there at Chesapeake Bay, you're losing fish, not catching as many as you would if you don't have those power poles on the back of your boat. Make sure you get some investment. I found more ways to use those things over the last three years than I could have ever imagined. Get one on the back of your boat. Get two on the back of your 
your boat to be really efficient and got to have those power poles. No, I agree. I agree. I get that question all the time, you know, for the waters I fish. Do you really use those? Absolutely. I use those. Dock fishing, pulling up in the backs of the creeks. I mean, like you said, there's numerous uses for those. Hey, one thing I wanted to get your opinion on before we uh, run out of time for the segment is, you know, we talk all the time about what a great job Bass Blaster does with keeping us abreast of situations and funny things and conservation and all the various things around bass fishing. And I can't remember if it was on there or not, but I saw the deal at one of your most recent tournaments here, might have been a couple tournaments ago, Mark Menendez was fishing around a dock and the guy, he thought the guy was trying to give him maybe some helpful information and it was quite the opposite. Do you know anything about that? Not all the details. Certainly I got around the edges, but I know Menendez was uh, highly disappointed with the actions that were taken there. But the basic gist of it was Mark was fishing down a row of docks there at the St. Lawrence River, trying to catch some largemouth bass. And the dock owner came out and thought that, hey, this guy's going to catch the pet fish that I feed all the time around these docks. He took it to the next level, man. He, he got into it with Mark and said some things that weren't really kind and even got into his boat and really harassed Mark Menendez is the gist of it. Mark was very disappointed and took it to you know a level in, in New York State law where they have a harassment law on the water, and uh, and he's pursuing that. So um, it's just another thing that we all of us fishermen need to be aware of. You know, there's concerns in the fishing community with things that could happen. I saw this deal recently at an Elite Series event where Gene Gillum, who's the conservation director of BASS, was passed around some bags to put plastics in. And there's been a program that's been around for that to recycle your plastic baits, you know, to uh, take care of the environment and all those things. Well, the state of Maine actually tried, and I don't know if they're still trying, I don't know the background of it, but they're trying to ban use of soft plastics wow. in fishing in the state of Maine. Unbelievable. unbelievable. No, it, it really is unbelievable. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot about kind of heading into fourth quarter. We're, we're going to make it a mission to start bringing some experts in the field to talk about conservation issues and, and start keeping us abreast because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on out there like you mentioned, Kurt. You bet, man. If all of us together don't have a voice and, and become heard, we're going to be hurting ourselves in the long run and, and hurting future anglers, you know, generations on past us. And uh, just like Protect the Harvest does, and they utilize programs to really protect the future generations of fishing and all of outdoor activities for that matter. It's really important. If you love this sport, take a few minutes, get involved and be an advocate for the sport itself, because uh, you never know where these things can go. With well, and like, and like you said, you know, protecttheharvest.com, perfect opportunity right now. You've heard us mention that website numerous times get on there and check that out because it impacts animal lovers to anybody that's involved with anything within the scope of the outdoor community so take that opportunity and educate yourself because certainly knowledge is power you bet well hey aaron it's time for us to move into our protect the harvest pro tip so let's get along in the show giddy up first by land and now by sea for years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com.
This is FLW champion Dave LaFebra, and you're dialed in to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kurt. The Edge Pro Tip segment is brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Once again, we have a question from a listener that we have turned into a pro tip, and it will be answered by Bass Edge co-host Kurt Dove. Kurt, when is braid tied directly to bait without fluorocarbon? Aaron, that's a great question, you know, and it's actually, for me, it's fairly simple. I think that for every angler, based on how they like to fish, it's really important for that to determine. But fluorocarbon is really key because it's mostly invisible in the water, so you can use it at almost any time. Braided line is used only in three special circumstances for me. When I tie my lure directly to the braided line, is number one going to be when I'm frog fishing. The reasons I'm going to use the braided line when I'm frog fishing, and usually it's going to be 50 to 66 pound test, and that's because I'm going to horse the fish out of the vegetation. Those fish are going to eat that frog. They're going to get down into the vegetation, and I need that braided line power and just the braided line tied directly to my lure to retrieve those fish from that heavy cover. Number two, flipping and pitching. At times, depending on cover, I will tie directly to my braided line, and that's going to come when I'm punching heavy vegetation, very similar to when I'm frog fishing, I'm going to be pulling those fish out of very thick, heavy cover using, again, that 50 to 66-pound test line. And uh, I'm going to tie all those baits on directly with the braided line. The final time that I'm going to use braided line is when I'm also flipping and pitching and maybe short casting a swim jig. Anytime that I'm using something that's moving very fast that the fish don't get a very good good eye to, I can use braided line if I need that sensitivity. If they're biting light or something of that nature, I'll tie braided line to the lure itself. But uh, as you can tell, it's very specific and only at very few times will I tie braided line directly to my lure. And one thing I didn't hear in there, Kurt, was uh, the use of with treble hooks. Is that ever come into play? I personally like to use monofilament on my topwaters. Very rarely will I ever use braided line tied directly to a topwater lure or even a crankbait. The only time I might have a crankbait tied directly to braided line is when I'm fishing, let's say, a vibrating lure over top of grass because I want to rip that grass free and keep the lure moving naturally through the water column. And grass sometimes will bog up a bait, and if you tie it directly a braided line without that stretch that'll allow that grass to pop free and create that reaction strike well there you have it and there you are the edge pro tip from protecttheharvest.com keeping our traditions alive for future generations thanks kurt two fishermen came together with one agenda to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish With our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. I am really excited to introduce this next fella in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. 
He is now a three-year veteran of the BASS Elite Series and just, god dang, an overall good guy. Not to mention, certainly a rising talent on the national tour. Bass Edge welcomes BASS Elite angler James Elam to today's episode. Great to have you on the show today, James. Hey, I appreciate that, Kurt. It's nice to be here. Thank you. James Elam out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hang on, hang on, Aaron. Before we even get into <laughs> getting to know James, well, I got I got to throw this out there. So, you know, obviously I see James on tour all the time and, and so do all the bass fishing fans out there he runs around in a boat wrapped with daylight donuts but dude james you weigh like 135 pounds what's the deal with that i know after a tournament i drop even more it's uh i don't know what the deal is i guess i'm not eating enough donuts i use them all for the bass that's the deal you know I, I, i've been oh, using this them all the for secret bait, bait. This is them, secret so. bait. you like yeah. put the glaze on the lures and stuff and all that kind well, of the, the chocolate glaze do the deal that's like dip and dying right there that's what oh. you want kurt told me that you prefer him to call you cream puff is that is there any truth to that cream puff i don't know where that <laughs> i think he just made that up <laughs> okay all right well, wait, wait, wait wait what what is your favorite donut from daylight donuts it's the, the regular old glazed donut that's hard to beat it's like a black and blue jig you know yeah, you, can't, you can't go wrong with a glazed donut man. no while we're kind of on this subject tell our listeners quickly your background and how you not only got daylight donuts to uh wrap your boat but you know how you made it to the big show with the Bassmaster. Elite Series? Well, of course, I've always fished locally around the Tulsa area. Those tournaments, they're really big, you know, on Grand Lake and, you know, you fall and all the lakes around there. And uh, that level of competition's pretty good at a local level. Yeah, there's some sticks three in Oklahoma. Boat. Yeah, they're three and 400 boat tournaments, and that kind of gets you ready for some of this stuff, you know. You can't ever be fully prepared, but that does help. And that's what I've done, you know, since I was probably 12 years old to, like, 18 or so, 19. And, you know, I got out of college, fished through college, kind of uh, did the uh, college fishing thing, competed through there. That helped. I wish college fishing was around when I was going to school. Yeah. When I, Kurt, did when you I go to college? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I'm proud okay, to okay. say I'm a graduate of George Mason University, no doubt. James, you're a cowboy, right? Yes, I'm a pope. I'm a cow pope. Uh, Oklahoma State University. My sophomore year was about the first year that college fishing kind of got organized and got big and they were having a national championship and that's when I got involved and I fished every year that I was eligible even my super senior year basically that kind of prepared me a little bit I was the bass fishing club president for two years so that kind of helped you know a little industry uh, experience there you know after that I uh, got out of college and started working a little bit and things weren't going anywhere like career-wise for me I really wanted to do the opens and it just so happened the classic was coming the Grand Lake. And if you win an open, you're in the classic. So that's why I got it in the opens originally. So every single one of those, I was trying to win, right? Well, it just so happened I didn't win any of them, but I did really good in all of them. And I qualified for the lead series. And I knew in the back of my mind, if I qualified, I'll give it a shot because I've always wanted to do that. It just worked out like that. And here I am today. And Still doing it. Didn't win one, but I did really well in all of them. That is going to be my quote. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, it's funny that James says that, Aaron, because, you know, when I requalified the second time around, it wasn't that I had Elite Series on the brain. I wanted to go out and have fun and perform well. I was fishing with a buddy of mine, Paul Pagnato, and we were going out to these opens to have a good time and to catch as yeah. many fish and, and just enjoy the process. But at the same time, obviously, we wanted to perform well. 
But we weren't thinking about the elite series or these other things. And, and I think what happens is, you know, like James expressed there a little bit, that mindset doesn't put a whole lot of pressure on you. What it does, it just sets you in the right frame to go out there and do really well in either, each event. And, and shoot, I mean, I don't think you had to finish lower than 30th, James, on that three tournament series. And when you're finishing that high, you're close to winning. I mean, you're close to right, some yeah. fish that are going to put you over the top and qualify, but you got the elite series. Now you're in the big show. Well, it's like, it's like Dr. J. McNamara says, you know, you're doing a lot of things right, James, to get to that point. Yeah, correct. It's so, a lot of hard so, work, and uh, it's just one of those things that if you could capture whatever that mental focus or mindset is and, and use that all the time, you'd be better off. Oh, yeah, dude. Bottling that up is Absolutely. the deal. But, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> watching you closely over the last three years, you know, being a competitor of yours, you have been able to bottle some of that up here this year. You came out, and we all know when we come out on the Elite Series, it's generally a struggle for those of us that haven't fished all over the United States, maybe on another tour, or had the just natural national tournament experience let's face it the upper chesapeake bay is nothing like oklahoma you know there's there's not a right. whole lot of you ain't in kansas anymore dorothy <laughs> yeah exactly no. exactly but your performance has really changed here you know this year you've done exceptionally much better than you have in past years can you pinpoint why you think that improvement has come for you i think it's a lot of things you know every year at the end of the year i sit down and i assess where i went wrong things i did good things i need to change things i need to keep the same and uh, i've kind of worked on that stuff the little things but mostly you know before i got in the elite series i never fished outside of texas oklahoma or arkansas really and so like those two extra years before this year i've seen everywhere around the united states has kind of helped me be prepared before I even get there of what I'm going to, you know, get into and, and the things I need to focus on, things I don't need to worry about. And I think overall, the main deal is I'm a lot more efficient and I don't worry about a lot of things. I can block a lot of things out of my mind. And I understand now how to practice two and a half days for these events. You know, the things I need to do to get ready for one of these tournaments. And you really don't know until you go do it. You know, by the third year, I guess that's been kind of the learning curve for me. That's when it's kind of finally started to pay off. And I've hopefully gotten a little bit better, you know. And I don't feel like I've done a lot of things different. And maybe I'm not as worried and don't put as much stress on myself. That might help, too. Well, stress is certainly overrated. And, and, you know, the question that I have for you is I noticed in one of your recent events on the Chesapeake Bay that you made this miraculous recovery. I, and I, I really want to know what time warp you went through between day one and day two, because day one, you're driving back to your hotel, day on the water, and you blanked. You didn't catch a bass. Quickly walk us through your practice period, kind of your day one anticipations. But then more importantly, the adjustments that you made, and this is really where I want us to spend the most time on, the adjustments that you made to rebound with 16-plus pounds on day two and 12-plus pounds on day three, ended up qualifying 31st place in the standings. I mean, who does that? <laughs> well, I guess I did. That's <laughs> um, awesome. It was just one of those deals. I felt so dumb after that first day. We all know that feeling if you fish, you turn up fish. It just, it's a terrible feeling. My practice, as far as that went, the first two days of practice, I did not catch a single keeper, which was too uncommon for as tough as it was from what it sounded like to me. So the third day, what I decided to do, third day of practice, I cut the 12 motor down in the northeast close to where we took off from and fish, you know, basically for release fish and, and want to stay close and you're up in your uh, efficiency that way, I guess, or your chances are a little bit higher and you're going to have more of the day to fish. So that's what I did the last day of practice and uh, basically I got nine bites that day. Four of the 
this that dead I couldn't shake off. And if you would have added a two pounder to those, I would have had 14 pounds. So it was pretty simple what I, what I planned on doing during the tournament. And uh, all those bites came off of a spinning rod skipping Cinco. It was just basically a matter that first day of the tournament, I had three fish get off, probably nine or 10 pounds of fish. And it was all because I was using a spinner rod around docks and, you know, just the nasty stuff. And uh, it just didn't work out for me that day. When you're fishing like that, you kind of have to go slow. You're getting hung up. If you get hung up, you go under the dock, you mess the dock up. It's just not really a good way to fish sometimes. And uh, that's what happened the first day. You know, you lose one, you lose a four-pounder, you lose a three-pounder, and pretty soon you get kind of spun out and you're not fishing as good. And it was just one of those days, and it just snowballed from there. And, uh, you know, I'm driving back to the hotel, like you said, thinking about, man, what am I going to do tomorrow? And, you know, I told myself, you don't have to do anything, like, drastic. Just change it up a little bit and get them in the boat. Do whatever it takes to get the fish in the boat. You're on them, you're around them, you know what to do, you know when to be where on the tides. And so that's what I did the second day. I picked up a flipping stick, and I fished all that same stuff and uh, added a few new things to it that you learned from the first day and basically put all the bites that I had in the boat. And I had six bites that day, and I caught up every single one of them. And it was kind of cool, too. It was one of those days where the first fish was a four-and-a-half-pounder. And I'm like, cool, you know, I'm going to get to go across the stage today. You know, I didn't <laughs> right, right. Stage. And then the next one, it's a, it's a three, and you're like, cool, that's a good one, too, you know? And uh, a couple hours passes, catch another three. Well, awesome, I got three good ones. After that, I caught another four, and I'm like, oh, man, if I catch another three-pounder, I'm going to fish the uh, top 50. I'm going to get a check. I'm going to get paid, you know? And so the last hour of the day, I'm running the fire drill like, dude, you just need one more. It, it could even be a two-pounder. last 10 minutes of the day, I left about 30 minutes on this last dock, and uh, I pull up to this dock, and uh, there's about 10 minutes left. I flip in there, and some shade, and the line takes off, and I crank down and bust it. Comes up, it's like a three and a half pounder. I don't flip it. And I usually don't scream like that, but I kind of did that time. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there listening to you. Yeah, it's dude, like I'm, my I'm hair standing up on the back of my neck. You know, it's like, come on, yeah. come on, catch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly how it works. Sometimes you get these feelings, you know, in fishing, like it's gonna happen. I had that positive vibe the whole day. And I just wasn't worried because, you know, it was like I had nothing to lose, you know. I just wanted to go out and make up some ground, make up some points, maybe go catch 12 pounds. And it ended up being really good bites, and it just happened. That's awesome. Well, you know, the hardest thing about that is, like you said earlier, you said you're going back to your hotel and you feel kind of foolish, you know. I mean, you right. had some bites and didn't do the right thing. But to be able to go out, yeah. out there the next day with the mental attitude of, hey, it's all good, and really you keyed it up right there. That first fish you caught, four, four-and-a-half pounder, is like, okay, it's going to be good. I just need yeah. to relax and do my game plan, and maybe right. it'll all work out. That one little piece of success that you had early right. that day seems to have really driven you to the success that you had for the entire day. Right, exactly. That bite didn't even happen until 10 o'clock. So, I mean, it wasn't quick in the day, but I think that's the other thing is just knowing. Like when you've done this for a little while, you just know. You kind of start knowing things. And that's I knew that, you know, like I, I was around the fish. Don't freak out. Don't be stupid. Just relax and see what happens today. You know, and I kind of had that mindset. And you're right. A four and a half pounder, that really gets your attention and it makes you key in and slow down. So, 
Right. Good deal. Well, hey, we, we need to go to break here pretty soon, James, but I want to throw this question out to you real quickly and get your thoughts on it for all of our listeners. And, and that's the fact that you don't really work together with a whole lot of guys, or for that matter, I don't think that you work together really with anybody. And, and that's not real common practice on tour. Many of the anglers on tour have two or three guys that they lean on and they talk to to yeah. kind of develop a strategy and that kind of thing. Explain to our listeners kind of why you generally taking that that less traveled route and having success with it. Because he doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to hit Kurt Dove up next year when we come to the Potomac because I know he knows. <laughs> That's it. You <laughs> dang right he does. I'm going to share information with him. So. Well, I grew up I there, but let, let me just let everybody know, I have not made a cast on the Potomac River since 2008. So, uh, oh, man. It's been a long, long time. You know, if we were going to Amistad, I'm probably a decent guy to talk to. Potomac? Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, to get to your question, I guess everybody's personality is different. And just with me, that's just kind of the way I am. I, I don't mind work. I can work with people really well, but I don't mind working alone. And that's just kind of my personality. And it doesn't bother me to do it all on my own. And I feel like now I've got confidence in usually what I find and I've got confidence in myself. I look back at all these tournaments, the ones I've, I've done well in, the ones I've done bad in, and I've always been on the right deal. I had some kind of crew or had some kind of idea. And if I wasn't seeing that, it would worry me a little bit more. But it would help to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. And I just, you know, I just don't, I'm not really, really close with anybody. And, and a lot of people already have that network set up. So there's like not, you know, any breaking down those walls, you know, mud and sure. So at the same time, I don't mind, you know, doing it that way. And it's kind of gratifying when we do it. I I get fans all the time. I'm sure you get this too, James, that they say, uh, you know, hey, well, how is this guy on tour? How's that guy? And I'm like, dude, I I don't really know. I mean, I I show up to the event on Saturday or Sunday. I'm working all day to prep my tackle, get my boat ready get prepared to go fish the event. I'm practicing daylight to dark. I go to the registration on Wednesday. I get my boat number. I'm out of there prepping for the tournament. We go fish the events. Dude, I don't know one guy from another. You know, I may know two or three guys. And if, you know, like us, we, we've stayed close to each other a few times and, and been able to chat and talk about life that's in about general. The only way, yeah, that's but, about um, the only way you really get to know somebody sometimes. Right. Uh, otherwise, who, who knows who's on tour? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll tell you what, we need to take a quick break, like I mentioned, but we're going to pick your brain here quickly on some seasonal tactics. Bass Edge Radio will return with James Elam right after these messages. Sign up to become an O'Reilly O-Rewards member today and start earning instantly. O-Rewards members earn $5 back for every $150 they spend, so if you haven't become a member yet, what are you waiting for? It's fast, easy, and free. O-Rewards, it's your road to exclusive offers only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. See store for details. O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, returns with BASS elite angler James Elam in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It 
works. All right, James, like I mentioned before the break, we got to dive right into your head and pick your brain apart on some seasonal tactics. You know, here in the early part of September, we all know in the southern part of the United States that fishing is super tough in the month of September. Seems like the deep fish have left the bottom. It's hard to find fish up shallow yet. I mean, there, there's a scattering of fish here and there. But James, when you hit the water around your home in Oklahoma, how are you going to find bass this time of year? What are you looking for to make sense of where you might begin your search? This time in early September, things are really tough because the fish tend to scatter, like you said. It's not like you can usually just go out and do any one thing and just hammer them, you know, and load the boat. So it's almost like when I go out, I kind of try to look for one or two different things, like a one-two punch system, you know, maybe even three different things. Or... I'll look more for an area like a river or something like that, running up the river. It depends on what lake you're on, of course. But like where I'm from, you can usually go up to the river and uh, get a more stable deal going. If you're fishing a lake, you might have two or three spots and a deal, you know, throwing like a worm or a Carolina rig or big crankbait. You might catch three or four fish a day doing that. But you also might have to fish some deep water docks and catch suspended fish under them, you know, and pick off one or two to put five or six fish together. The thing is, you're just going to have to realize it's tough, but it's tough on everybody else. And if you're competing, that's what levels of field. You just have to keep that in mind. And uh, I guess that's just kind of the approach I take to it is instead of looking for one thing, like just fishing deep, I'll I'll have to throw some other things in the mix to put some extra fish in the boat. All right, so I'm going to ask you a total self-serving question since I have a championship coming up in two weeks. Okay. Uh, In general, do you find this time of year to be better with reaction techniques or slower presentation, or is there a combination of both? I try both. I always try both when I'm practicing, but it always seems like all the tournaments I've ever had in August and in September and even early, you know, October, this whole time of year, and especially September, it seems like I always end up fishing slow. You know, whatever it is, Texas rigging, flipping, throwing a jig, just always seems like that ends up being my main deal for what that's worth. That's, oh, no, that's going to be worth a lot. So that's going to yeah. be worth a lot. <laughs> because, you yeah. know, I, I think, James, to bring it full circle, that's the question that we get a lot from listeners in that. But, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes it always depends throughout the spring or the fall. When the fish are moving and active, you can kind of do whatever to your liking. But September exactly. fishing, you know, I don't know if you guys find it this way. I'd love for you to weigh in. But golly, boy, if you don't have that mental edge to be able to go out there and just slow down and quit thinking about what the fish should be doing and just focus on what they're doing, man, it can right. really play havoc with your mind games. It's tough on you, and that's the mental part of it, too. Like I said, you just have to realize that it's tough, but it's tough on everybody else, too. It's just one of those things. You just you just have to be prepared to not get that many bites and just know that at the beginning of the day. That's great advice. Oftentimes, for me, I take that to the level of instead of going out there and thinking, okay, how am I going to catch my five fish limit? It's just thinking about how am I going to get that first bite? And then that yeah, first bite. Yeah, how am I going to catch one? Yeah. Exactly. And, and after you catch one, don't think about, okay, how am I going to catch the next four, right? You just think about, okay, how am I going to catch number two? You know, so exactly. it's simplifying those thoughts are super, super critical. And it is a tough time of year. There's no doubt about it. I don't care what tournament that we fish, whether we're up north, you know, like we did in the Chesapeake several weeks ago, it was a tough event. Some guys had five one day and, and didn't do good the next day. Or, you know, like James, your circumstance where you struggled the first day, but then were able to 
keep that mental focus and, and have a good event out of it. It's it's just that time of year, and it's not going to get good in the southern United States where those bait fish are really start moving probably until October, even late October. Really, when the fishing is good, everybody's in the deer stand. So uh, and that's exactly. usually in November. Although that season starts to change, it's wait until it really the animal behavior starts to change for those fish, which takes a little bit more time. Anyway, let's move on. We got to go to our O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. James, every episode, we give away a $100 gift card to a chosen listener question that's featured on the show. And this question comes from Brandon Vickery out of Texas. Brandon yeah. asks, my grandfather lives on a lake in South Carolina. During the summertime, it's famous for this extremely slimy and stringy green grass below the surface that makes almost any kind of fishing less than two feet from the surface miserable. Are there any suggestions on how to combat this? Well, I guess you need to maybe find out for sure if the fish are actually living in the grass. If they are living in the grass, then that's a matter of you're going to have to find out what tool you're going to have to have to catch those fish. Basically, when I go fish grass or any time I'm fishing, I look at all my baits as tools. And if you can throw over that grass with a frog or a buzz frog or a buzz bait and get them to come up and eat it, that's the way to go because you don't have to deal with the grass that way. But if that's not going to happen, you've got to find a way to flip into the grass or fish the grass and get the fish out of it. You know what I like to do if there's grass like that is maybe just uh, get in the wind and pull it over and maybe, you know, you're just barely bumping your troll motor here and there and you're drifting over it and you're making short flips, you know, in front of the boat. Basically what you're doing is you're taking the bait and then you're sending it straight down to the bottom and you're making short flips out in front of the boat instead of making long casts. You don't have to fight the grass that way. That's what I would try to do. And if they're not in the grass, then you need to get away from it and maybe try the grass edge lines and, and, and things where the grass are. I guess that's my uh, bit of advice for that. Well, that's good stuff. And James, we certainly appreciate you tackling that question for Brandon. And Brandon, be sure and send us an email letting us know that you heard your question answered on the show, and we'll get you out that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Remember to send all those listener questions and comments to our email address, support at BassEdge.com, or leave us a comment on our social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter. James, it was truly a pleasure having you on the show. We want to wish you best of luck in the upcoming events and in your 2016 Elite Series campaign. Any closing thoughts before we shut this thing down? Well, thanks, Eric. I want to thank everybody for listening. You know, go follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, keep up with me. And hopefully I can make that classic by winning one of these Opens or having a miraculous event at the St. Clair event. But other than that, I, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank Kurt and thank you, Eric. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me. Well, hey, James, I'm sure you just gained a bunch of new fans today. Thanks again for hanging with us here at Bass Edge Radio. Stay tuned, everybody. We will return in just a minute. This is FLW Straight Talk Wireless Pro, Scott Canterbury, jamming with you on the Bass Edge Radio. Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge. Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. 
Another home run, Kurt, with James Elam. Just a lot of information, but I really, really liked his, his comment concerning how he was able to change it around going into the second day of the tournament and go from zero to hero. And, boy, that's applicable for all of us. You bet. And it's really moving forward. It's going to continue to be applicable. And it's that time of year to put your hard hat on, just like James put his hard hat on. Just getting out there, getting to work. Um, we talked about it a little earlier. Don't think about five. Think about one. You get one, think about two. But that's the time of year it is. Great to hear from James. Another awesome show. Great episode. A lot of very interesting tips. And we want to continue to get all that feedback from our listeners. I can't tell you how important that is. Really making this show and tailor it to what you, Bass Edge Nation, wants to hear about. Really important for us, for Aaron and I, to do that for y'all. So continue to send feedback into that email, support at BassEdge.com. Send in those listener questions. Win that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. But most important, let us know what you want to hear about, who you want us to talk to. We want to keep this going, keep this strong, and make sure that you are interested every time you download the next episode of Bass Edge Radio. All good stuff. And I want to thank the listeners for once again tuning us in for episode 215 we'll see you next time episode 216 september 15th in the meantime i am aaron martin for kurt dove and the rest of the bass Edge crew have a great week everybody you know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.